We're going to be looking in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. If you're up on Facebook, I put this up there for you about our, about our topic. That one of the most important things we need as, as believers and as Christians is to grow spiritually. My wife was talking about some of this in the uh, exhortation she gave us last week. But it's one of those, one of those things extremely important. There's a promise though, promises in the Word of God about us growing spiritually. And I wanted us to take a look at, at uh, some of those things. There's a story about a lady who had called American Airlines and to ask, how, how long does it take to fly from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to Frankfurt, Germany? Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to Frankfurt, Germany. And so the, the lady on the other end of the phone, she said, uh, uh, she started typing the information in, you know, Philadelphia Airport and typing in the, the, the destination. And she was waiting for the screen to um, refresh and to bring that information to her. And while she was waiting, she said, just a moment. And the lady on the other said, thank you very much, and hung up. <laughs> now, most of the things that we're going to do take more than a moment, take more than a minute to, uh, to accomplish. And if you're going to grow spiritually, you've got to know it's, it's not going to happen right away. There are going to be some things you need to do. But the Word of God has put some things in here for us to help us in this area of spiritual growth. And I want us to take a look at this. Before we get into that, I put this in your outline for you. The key to most victories needed in life is the growth of our spirit. Most times we think about the growth of our faith. But you cannot grow spiritually without growing your faith. If you learn how to grow spiritually, your faith will grow. And it will develop and it will do some things that you needed to, needed to do. The growth of our spirit. It's important. Most of us know this by now, but man has three dimensions. There are three parts to man. Just as there are three parts of God, there are three parts of man. There's your body, there's your soul, and your spirit. Your body, your soul, and your spirit. Your body grows, develops through food, exercise, and rest. These are the things that help your body, body to grow. Your soul your mind is, grows through education, even entertainment. As you uh, mature and grow, we see, we see development in that area. Your spirit grows, of course, by prayer, the Word of God, worship. Things you need spiritual things to develop spiritually. You need physical things to develop in your body. And you need mental things to develop in your, your soul. In Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to take a look at verse 1 here. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. You, we were each called into something. There's a calling on each of our lives. He says, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, when he says here, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you. This word here, beseech, is the Greek word parakaleo. Kaleo basically means to implore, to plead, beg even. And, and 
Uh, para is the word to come alongside. Basically, it is this, to come alongside someone and to plead, exhort, beg, whatever, just to do a particular thing. Not doing it from a distance, not writing a letter or making a phone call. It is to come alongside and to, and to do this. We see this word in a number of places, of course, in Romans. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. We see that same word tr- translated the same way as well. But this is not a command in, involved in your salvation. You do not need to do this to be saved. He's writing this to save people. You already are saved. He's not telling you to have a walk worthy in order to be saved. Because you are saved, have a walk worthy of your calling, is what he's saying. This one is for your spiritual growth. This is a command for your spiritual growth. Now, i put this in your outline for you, too. Until you are born again, spiritual growth is not possible. Until you are born again, spiritual growth is not possible. Now, there are some people that look like they are growing spiritually outside of God. You know, we have spiritualists. We have uh, people that uh, develop themselves in the area of the spirit. But all supposed spiritual growth, this isn't in your outline because there wasn't any room. I had to just put it in mine. All supposed spiritual growth by unsaved persons is either connecting to wrong spirits or intellectual growth masquerading as spiritual growth. And some people try and do that. They do this uh, uh, spiritual thing that they, that they try and do. Uh, and it's, you know, it frustrates me. That's just on a lower level. But ever, we were watching, um, I don't know, we were watching one of those old shows, I don't know, Matlock or Monk or one, one of those old, old shows. And there was a psychiatrist, not, not Monk's psychiatrist. He's, he's, he's cool. I, I like him. He's kind of fun. But some other nut was on there doing this, pretending to be this thing. And, you know, he's, he's, he acts like the, he's off on some other level, the higher level than, than us peons are. And when you begin to talk to him about the thing, he begins to rephrase it and throw it back to you. Well, why do you think that? <laughs> what? What, what do you think brought you to that real... You know, stuff like that. It's like, you know, just just shut up. And if you have something to say, then say it. That's what I like to say to some of these people sometimes. It's just, uh, you know, they are always off there spiritualizing. If you want to... People who want to do that, I just want to get up and walk out of the out of the room with them. And they're just... Intellectualism masquerading as a spiritual person. And that's not it. But uh, take a look at this list. Let's read this again. With all lowliness, verse 2... With all lowliness and gentleness, this is the kind of the walk worthy he's talking about. Walk, a word, nah, walk worthy of your calling. With all lowliness and gentleness. So lowliness and gentleness. We're not spending time to study each one of these words. We're just looking at the overall picture here. With long suffering. How many of all like that? Bearing with one another in love. We all love to bear with one another in love, don't we? Sometimes we just bear with one another. But he doesn't say to do that. He says bear with one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, this is not a list of actions to refrain from. You would think if we're going to have a walk worthy, there's a bunch of stuff we shouldn't do. How many of you can come up with a list like that? Thou shalt not drink. Thou shalt not smoke. Thou shalt not do any unlawful drugs. Thou shalt not commit murder. We can come up with a whole lot of things, right? And we would think that if we did these things or refrain from these things, we would be spiritual. But they're not on the list. 
What he has on the list here is not things, actions to refrain from, but he has, but his list is attitudes to be maintained. A walk worthy of God is a walk that has attitudes that are maintained correctly. Have you ever thought about that? Because we're so caught up into the, the actions, the things that we do, but it's more important that you have the right attitude. Now, that's the first couple of verses that he gets into here. Then we pick up here in verse 7. But to each one, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. To who? How many of you out there right now are in each one? We're all in each one. Each one of us. He's talking about each one. That means everyone we're writing to Christians. We're not writing to unsaved people. The, The writing is to Christians. Christians, born again people, to each one, grace was given. Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So there was a grace gift that was given to you. Some people put it uh, this way, that there's things you're to do in the body of Christ and you have a certain amount of grace to, to accommodate that. How many of you have looked at somebody doing something in the body of Christ? Oh, I don't have the patience for that. <laughs> yeah, the grace have, for that has not been given to you, but grace has been given to you to do something. Operate inside that grace. I've heard people put it that way. Operate in your grace. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. A lot of debate about that. Did Jesus go to hell? According to the word of God, he went down to the lower parts of the earth. At that time, when Jesus was on the cross, the lower parts of the earth contained both good and bad. There was Abraham's bosom, which is where all the good folks went, or the people that were righteous. They went on the good side. And then there was a bad side. And according to Jesus' parable, there was a great rift that separated them, and you couldn't, you couldn't cross over that rift. But you could see. You could see over it. You couldn't cross it. And when Jesus led the captives away, he didn't take people from the sinner side. He took people from the righteous side because they were held captive there. They couldn't quite go to heaven yet because... Sin hadn't been paid for. But sin was paid for. He took them. And the, the Word of God even tells us that some of them made a stop on the surface of the earth. Said, hey, how you doing? Yeah, I know I was dead. I was down in the, in the earth. But Jesus Christ raised. He brought me up. I just came by here to say hi. <laughs> you can ask God why he had some people stop. Which ones? How did he pick which one? I don't know how he picked which ones. Maybe he, uh, you know, anybody who didn't have anybody alive on the earth that they knew. Well, you don't count. You, got to, you just come right on up. But if you on the on the earth, and you had people that were still there, maybe they were supposed to go over there and visit and testify that Jesus Christ came down to the lower parts of the earth, took me out. Anyway, that's just a little parenthetical thing he got into. Verse 11, And he gave some to be apostles. Now before we start off, and he said each one, didn't he? So each one is given a grace But here he says, some to be apostles. That means not all are apostles, but some. Some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. But that's not everybody. There are some people that are called by God and given the grace to operate in these particular things. To be apostles, to be prophets, to be evangelists, to be pastors, to be teachers. For the equipping of the saints, this is the purpose for it. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. 
Now, a lot of times we read that wrong and we think the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, so forth, that we, we read it this way, that they are to equip the saints, do the work of the ministry, and edify the body of Christ. But that's not the job of the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, so forth. That's not the job of those, of those folks. Their job is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So the work of the ministry is done by all for which grace has been given. But the equipping was done by apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. That's where the equipping was done. So you get equipped here, but the grace has been given to you to do what it is that you have been called to do. That is the work of the ministry. Edifying of the body of Christ comes because the saints are doing the work of the ministry. So here's the process. Equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. The emphasis here is the, is the body of Christ. The, that we are called to do the work of the ministry as the body. Now, includes pastors, teachers, apostles, all those. They're all part of the body of Christ. And they do work of the ministry. But sometimes we look at it that they are to do all the work of the ministry. Now, I'm not saying you folks here. I'm just saying that overall, that's what we, we look at. We, we see it this way. We don't look at the pastors being equippers. We look at the pastors, the teachers, the prophets, the apostles as doing the work of the ministry. And so what happens is in a lot of, a lot of, you know, we were just at a, uh, they had that little lunch, or I'm sorry, breakfast over at uh, Open Door Academy. And every year I get an invitation because uh, Alicia's over there. And uh, so I get to go over there and visit with her at the table. And there's always one or two other uh, pastors that are there. Well, this year, last year, she got to invite one of her friends and she sat next to the table and I got to talk to the pastor of her, the other church. We had a fun little time talking about that. This year, that pastor was busy. Whoever, not that particular pastor, another one was coming. We were at a different table and another pastor was supposed to be there. And so an elder came from that church because he was busy. So, you know, he, he and I, we were talking, you know, what was going on. And uh, this pastor, uh, pastor of the church, apparently he was on a study week. I didn't know pastors got study. I never heard of a study week. I said, well, what is a study week? He says, well, you take the week off and you go study. I said, really? He gets the whole week. Oh, yeah, we give them two to four a, a year. He, says, he gets two to four weeks to study. He says, yeah, that's not his vacation. That's two to four weeks to study. He said, beside that, he gets three weeks paid vacation. So I said, what? That's seven weeks. He's not there. I'd have a hard time with that. I go away for one week, and usually that's uh, that's difficult. No, but it's not too. I mean, I'm gonna go away, and I don't I don't think about it too much. But I can think a second week, and, and just go away and just study. What would that be like? I don't know. <laughs> so you know, we're always shooting things around here, talking about things and 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 stuff like that. And so I began to wonder. It says, how is it? that these pastors can take two to four weeks of study, and I've listened to some other pastors' messages, and I'm thinking, it's dry as a bone. What is wrong with you people? If you've got two to four weeks to go out there and study, you ought to be pulling out some stuff. What's going on? I don't know. i got some folks that are out there, and I know that they, I don't know if they have two to four weeks a week, or a year of study time, but I enjoy the, the, the things that they pull out of the Word. You know, when I get to sit down and listen to Brother Keith Moore. 
I enjoy what he pulls. He teaches twice a, twice a week. I enjoy the messages he brings out. He goes away sometimes. Somebody else fills in. I like it better when he comes back. <laughs> Brother Creflo Dollar, when I can get one of his teachings, he's harder to get hold. Brother Keith, if you want, you want to find an easy person to get teachings of, Brother Keith Moore, piece of cake to get teachings from. If you don't get his stuff and listen to his stuff, it's a shame. But this is easy. It doesn't cost you nothing. You can get the whole message. Brother Creflo Dollar's got some good stuff, but it's always in little bits and pieces here and there. And you've got to try and get it all. But I just want to sit on that. You have to watch the video. If you watch it on TV, how many watch Brother Creflo Dollar on TV? I think you get the whole thing on TV, don't you? I don't sit and watch TV. I'm on that. On that. I just, I'm doing other stuff. But thank God there's some, some other folks out there that have some, have some substance. You know, we bring in some ministers here, and I enjoy the things that they have to say. They got some substance to it. But there's a lot, of, and I don't just mean Baptists and Methodists and people like that. I've listened to people who came out of Rama, and I thought, dear Lord, where is the word? I listened to something, I mean, some of them were my professors back at school. And I found podcasts where they're teaching in church, went through the entire 45 minutes hour teaching, not one time did they get into the word. I thought, well, that was just a, a, a fluke thing. I'll pull up another one for them and pull up another one. Not one time. Talked about the Word. Just never got into the Word. The most important thing is getting into the Word of God. I think it was Brother Keith who was, who was saying one time, he said, I, when Brother Hagin would get up and just read the Word, I'd get stuff out of it. Because he's reading the Word under, under an anointing. And there was more to, to get from that. Glory to God for that. I'll tell you what. What, what would life be like if we didn't have an ordinary men and women of God that go after God and pursue Him and get stuff and teach Him? When we get to heaven, I'm going to find out from Paul. Paul, did you have study breaks? <laughs> John, did they give you study weeks? Did you get to go? Well, he went out to the island of Patmos. I guess, I guess you consider that a study couple of months. That's all he had to do there. I think, anyway. But that's the purpose here. It's for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. That in order for things to function, right, that the body of Christ needs to be doing the work of the ministry. That means the the body of Christ, when phone calls need to be made to somebody, the body of Christ is out there doing phone calls. When visits need to be made, the body of Christ is doing visits. When hands need to be laid on and prayers need to be made, who should be doing it? Body of Christ needs to be doing these things. It's good because it, it, it helps them grow. But if you have the wrong parts doing it all the time, then it doesn't, doesn't help anybody grow. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Are we there yet? Then this is still going on, isn't it? This is the process. We're not there. We don't come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of Son of God just yet. To a perfect man. We're not there yet either. To the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ. We have not quite come to that. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Do you know people out there do this? That they have doctrines that they come up with to lure you into a, into a thinking, into something that is, that is right. We were talking about the gun thing last week. And this is just non, non-biblical, but it, they don't just do it against the Bible. They do it against things that are going on in life. And we were, we we're showing you the ridiculousness of thinking that laws are going to change anything in our schools. 
because we don't put up a sign that says this Brink truck, Brinks truck does not have any guns because what would happen to the Brinks truck? They would get robbed. It's like an open invitation. So we put a sign out in front of our schools. But I don't know if you knew this. I just found out about this program uh, recently. But did you know that the particular county in which this gun shooting was at was actually recruited and part of a special government program started in the city of Chicago? It was called the Promise Program. Anybody heard of the Promise Program? Anybody? Nobody, nobody's heard of the Promise Program. All right. I'm not going to give you a whole lot of details. You can go look it up and you will see if you are as appalled as, appalled as I am. Eric Holder, Department of Justice under the Obama administration, is the one who started this. And what their goal was, was to get less youth in the prisons who were minorities. That was their goal because they saw they had too many minorities in the prisons. And they wanted to get them to go not from school into prison. And so that was part of the, the thing. Now, they couldn't state it that way, but it was stated in a certain way. And you can go look it up and find out on your own what's going on. It's called the Promise Program. And a school is rewarded by the number of crimes they don't report. So if you have certain youth that are of the ones they're trying to keep out of prison and you don't report. Now, we're not talking about murder and robbery and things like that. We're talking about misdemeanor things. If you don't report it, you got money from the federal government for your school. Now, how many know, can see that would be going in a bad direction? Now, the reason it goes into a bad direction and how it impacted this whole case is because in order for you to get a gun, they do a background check. In that background check, they're looking to see what kind of laws that you have broken. And if you have broken laws, that hinders you from being able to get the purchase of a firearm. If you're not reporting the crimes by the people they're doing, then when they turn an age to get a gun, what do you say when they come and apply? Well, they got a clean record. Why do they have a clean record? Not because they didn't do any crimes, but because they weren't allowed to report it. Beside that, the 32, 33 states only participate in the background checks to begin with. So they give you the idea that if we pass more laws, we'll fix the problem. It's amazing to me the, the, the things that people will do in this. If you called up American Airlines and you booked a flight for your vacation for from here to Mexico. How many would like to go to Mexico for a va- vacation in the month of January or the month of February? Absolutely. Place is warm. It's always warm. It is not here generally in January and February. I'll go someplace warm. So you book the flight to go out there and it, you have it round, round trip to going out there on a certain day, get there by a certain time, and then to come on back. And you get to the airport and you go up to the counter and they say, I'm sorry, your flight has been canceled, but we have you on another one. You just have to wait an extra two hours. Well, how many know that's inconvenient? But you go ahead and you, and you, you stay there for two hours. And then after the two hours, I'm sorry, uh, that flight has been canceled too. We've uh, booked you in another flight for tomorrow. Now, you just lost a whole day of your vacation. How many of you want American Airlines 
to fix this problem for you. Anybody want American Airlines to fix that problem? How many want to go to somebody else and say, you know what, I'm going to go over to some other airline and let them fix this problem because you fixed it and it hasn't worked so well. Or if you're going to book another flight and you've had trouble, I'd had this one time. Uh, We were, I may remember, TWA. TWA. All right, when I was going from school to home, I would fly. And so one of the first times that I flew home from school was for Christmas break, and it was on TWA, which is no longer around. And TWA would fly out of the city of St. Louis. That was their hub. And so I went from Tulsa to St. Louis. We landed in St. Louis, and they closed the airport. That's not TWA fault. They closed the airport, shut it down. They waited until we got in, and then they shut down the airport. I'm thinking, why don't you divert it, go someplace else? But uh, St. Louis gets some snowstorms in the winter. And so, uh, you know, we were up there trying to figure out where, how we're going to get out of here. Well, I'm sorry, there are no flights out of here for the day. And um, uh, you're kind of on your own. Now, I'm a college student. You know, you're going to school, don't have a whole lot of I didn't think we had credit cards back then. But um, they, they said, now you're on your own. Come on back here tomorrow. We'll fly you back out. But on, you're on your own until then. And the airport closes. Close down the airport. I've never been to St. Louis before. I don't know anybody in St. Louis. The airport is closing. <laughs> and TWA has no responsibility for weather-related problems. So they don't put you up anywhere. And they kick you out. That was a fun night. Now, when I'm going to book a flight again, how many of y'all believe I want the TWA? No. Because, you see, if you create a problem or you make a problem worse, we generally don't want to go to you to, to fix that again. You know, it's the same thing, you know, if you have a cable service and you've got direct TV. And every time that you were trying to get your station in, the station's out, the satellite's out, is not working. And if you want to go onto a new service, how many of you are not shopping for the one that didn't, didn't work for you? You're going to go to somebody else. And yet in the area of government, government can create a problem and then say, we will fix it. Everybody says, please fix it. That just amazes me. When you look at that shooting, there were how many different things that the government failed on? The government failed in the, in the deputies that were on, on base. The one that was there, the three that joined them later on. That, of course, that, that happened. 45 notifications that this man had a problem was going to do something. 45 notifications. The FBI investigated them. Couldn't find anything on that they would act upon. 45 notifications that this man was going to do something. A threat, I believe, was even made on the school and still nothing was done. And so we're going to give the organization that caused all the problems more leeway to fix it? How many think somebody else ought to be trying? But that's what we do. can't fix things you, you, you can't fix things that government breaks by giving government more more leeway on it that's just not the way that we we can go God has a way of fixing these things God has a way of taking your life to a place but it's not through legislation it's not through legalism there's a way that he has for us to do this you do not become spiritual by taking laws that men have made in keeping them. Thou shalt not go to movies. Thou shalt not dance. Thou shalt not drink beer or any alcohol-related product. 
Thou shalt not listen to secular radio. And we can look, look at all these things. God doesn't say anything about these particular things. But people have. And we think that if I follow all this, I'll get to the spiritual place that I want to be. And then when I'm not getting there, I look at the people who made up the laws and say, what else do I need to do? And then, well, maybe you ought to do this law. Maybe you ought to follow after this and they'll come up with some more stuff. This is what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees said, here's the law in the Old Testament. And to help you keep that, we're going to add a hundred more. And after that, we're going to add a hundred, another hundred. And then we're going to add another hundred. And then we're going to just start making up stuff. And you're supposed to be spiritual by doing all this sort of stuff. That's not how it's going to work, folks. God has promised us that we would grow spiritually. If you grow spiritually, most of your problems will go away. Not all. Because the Word will attract some problems. But you'll be, you'll be equipped to take care of them. So it's for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the, of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and cutting craftiness of deceitful plotting. Just understand, there are people out there who make doctrines just like they make laws to create problems. There are people out there who make doctrines to create problems. You don't need them. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, again, to some, these gifts, these fivefold gifts are not for all. But they are for some. And they're there for the purpose of edifying us. If I don't have people in my life that are in these, these offices, I'm going to be hindered. I need to have that. And we're giving it what it goes until. Now, verse 14, look at this. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. If you get the right fivefold ministry ministering into your life, you will, you will get to a place where the winds of doctrine don't carry you off. Wait a minute. That's not right. That's not in the Word of God. No, I know the Word of God better than that. That's not what God says. That's not the heart of my Father. You begin to know these things, and just because the wind came, you don't get carried around, carried away. You won't be one of those ones who has a book on how to blow the shofar to chase away demon spirits. You won't be a person who gets the right flags and functions them in the right way to call upon the Holy Spirit to do certain things in your life. Because that's out there as well. You won't get caught up into deliverance ministries that teach you how to learn the name of the demon so that you can cast it out. And we can keep on going on, folks. There's just so many crazy doctrines that are out there. But he doesn't want you to be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. This is what goes on out there. But you get the word of God, it'll keep you from, from falling that. But speaking the truth in love. It does not say speak the truth. It says speak the truth in love. It doesn't say speak love. It says speak the truth in love. It's a combination. Most of our problems with people would be settled if we would just simply speak the truth, but with that part of love to it. A lot of times we get into trouble with people because we spoke the truth, but there was no love. Well, that's because you were stupid. (laughs) 
<laughs> we may not take that all that well, right? But we see when you, when you want to speak the truth and you want to tell somebody that they, that they were stupid. But you don't want to just come out there and speak the truth without love. You've got to have the truth with love. And they may have been stupid. How many of y'all know I've been stupid? You've been stupid. We've all been stupid sometimes. Thank God for somebody who comes along and says, I was stupid. But not in a way that we wouldn't hear it, in a way that is in love. Do you know what the Word of God says on that? Here's what the Word of God says. And here's what you did. Where do you, how do you see? Begin to, to counsel you and pull you together. Help you to see how this, how this goes. Speaking the truth in love. You know, a lot of times we'll have problems with people because I feel like I should say something. But, well, I didn't want to cause waves. If you speak the truth in love, the Word of God saying you won't cause waves, you'll help those people out. But you see, we don't take the time to find things out. It says, first off, speak the truth in love. Just because you think something is the truth doesn't mean it is. And just because you heard something doesn't mean that's the truth. If you are going to determine the truth, it's the same way you're going to determine the truth in the Word of God. If you're going to find out what is truth in the Word of God, you're going to take two or three scriptures at least. Everything by two or three witnesses. You don't just grab one verse of scripture. You let scripture comment on itself. You study the Word to find out what the truth is. But a lot of times we hear something and then we determine what the truth is and then we speak according to. Well, you didn't speak the truth. You spoke what you heard. See, a lot of times what you've got to do is you've got to sit people down and you've got to say, what's going on over here? And you let that person talk to you about what's going on. You find out what is the truth. And they may give you some information that says, you know what, I don't quite have the truth on this just yet. Hey, I appreciate you sharing that with me. I'm going to um, check some more things out. And you go and you find out from somebody else that they brought into it. They were there, they saw some. And you go out and you get them. And you bring them in on it. You know, what was going on? Over here. And you hear their testimony on the thing. And then they may bring in somebody else. And you go out there and you, you research that. You find out what the truth is. Because if you're going to speak the truth, you first off have to know what the truth is. If I don't know what the truth is, I can't speak it. So you go out there and you do some research to find out what is the truth about this thing. And then when you find out the truth, then you speak it. But you speak it in love. And you find out, look, I talked to all these people. And... Here's what we got going on. Here's what's, here's what's happening. And then you, you talk to them about it and you're trying to bring them to a place to realize how they can change this, how they can make it better, what they can do. Speak the truth in love. You see, if we did that all the time instead of just speaking what we heard, we wouldn't have half the problems we do with people. Go out there and do some research on it. If you're not in a position to do research, then just drop it. You're not in a place to, to fix that thing. Just drop it. Don't go out there and re- repeat what you know because what you know may not be truth. Speak the truth in love. In order to comply with that, you've got to first off find out what the truth is. And then you've got to make sure you have love for that person that you're speaking to. Because that person knows that you love them. They'll hear all kinds of hard stuff. But you've got to first off know that you love them. But speaking the truth in love. Now keep that in mind because we're going to sh- show you something with this. May grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. When you do not speak the truth in love, you hinder yourself from growing as well as the body 
and the people that you were dealing with. You plug up the works. Because he starts this thing off from whom we're going, we're going back to, what was it? Verse four, pull up verse 14 for us. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful planning. Don't be children. Don't be carried about. Gossip sweeps a whole lot of people away. You don't need to have that going on. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. Do you know that speaking the truth in love has as much to do with your growth as it does for the growth of the person you're speaking to? That if you do not speak the truth in love, you will not grow the way you were intended, nor will the person you are speaking to. You hinder everybody on that. And then verse 15, or verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You as part of the body have something to share, have something to bring in, have something to, to bring into it for nourishment of the body. Every person does. And the more mature you get, the more spiritually mature you get, the more you realize what other people have is valuable. And you don't just write them off. What they have is valuable. And they're bringing in something that helps us out. I need what they have. Now here's what the devil does for us is that he, he sows seeds of discord in between us because you see, yes, Vanessa and I, were fine. We're, we're good. That's why I'm using her. <laughs> oh, my. She, um, let's say that something comes, comes up between, and I hear something about, or let's just say Vanessa heard something about me. And, and instead of just going to other people, she comes over to me and she, she talks to me about it. She asks me about it and I begin to talk to her and we begin to have this conversation on the thing. I begin to feel that love from her. I feel that concern. She's trying to correct something she thought was wrong. Either I find out that it wasn't wrong or I take the correction. She grows and I grow. And that relationship between us continues on so we continue to, to receive from each other. But if it goes about in the wrong way and a wall comes up between her and I, I am no longer receiving things from this part of the body. She is no longer receiving things from me. Understand, people in the body of Christ, folks, we don't all have perfect personalities. We do some things that are a hindrance. But you have to get, you have to get past it. We got a flesh that goes on. One of the people that I grew up, one of the, one of the people that I would consider to be an influencer in my life, who I learned many things from during the the, the first decade that I learned from this person. I had two, I had three interactions with them. One was on an airplane. One was in a church and one was in an office. Three different times I interacted with this person. All three of those times, I came out with the same notion. I do not want to be like that person. All three times I came out with that notion, I do not in any way, want to be like that person. I don't like how they deal with people. I don't like, and I could, I could name a bunch of things, but they still knew the Word of God, and they still were a good teacher, and I still continued to sit 
under that and glean the things from that. Because I had to draw a line. Okay, I don't want to become like them. <laughs> but God is still using them. And therefore, I'm going to glean. what I, And they, they helped me out with many different things in, in the area of teaching. But I did not try and emulate. Now, years, decades later, I heard from people that were on staff, of, of his staff, that uh, it was difficult. More difficult than I ever thought it was. But they had difficulties with, with that. Um, and, and, you know, we just wouldn't have... We, they were a much more emotional person than I was. And they spoke their mind and they threw things and they... Uh, <laughs> that's a, I don't deal with things that way. Um, you know, you start throwing stuff, I'm out of here. <laughs> I pretty much do it for me. But I knew that I had to set that, that differential there that I cannot let who the person is separate me from receiving what that joint supplies. Now, that person was not a model in my life of how I should act, what I should do, anything of that nature. But what they were was a teacher. And I gleaned that from them. So understand, you've got people in your life and the enemy is out to try and put walls between you and them. Don't let them do it. You, you fight against that. No, I'm not going to have those, those walls there. And you, you step out there and you help them out. You do what you can to, uh, to do that. I put this in your outline for you. What the enemy does to keep us from spiritual growth. First off, distracting teachings. And I put it in parentheses there. Twinkies to poison. Not all distracting te- teaching is poison. Some of us just, it's just, you know, if you fill up on Twinkies, you don't eat the good food. That's all. That's why mom always used to tell you, don't eat the cookies before dinner. Wait until after you get done dinner and then you can have the cookies. When we grow up, and we may have broken that rule a few times, but for the most part, we do realize I need to have more than Twinkies, cookies, and you know, as good as Oreo cookies are, there are other things we need to have in life beside Oreo cookies. And so we, we go out there and we, we make sure that we eat some of those other things. Sometimes it's easy. You know, I don't know, I don't know what happened with me. You know, me and vegetables, we don't have a love affair at all. I will eat some. I like peas. I like carrots raw. I like corn. You know, broccoli, I like raw. If you're going to cook it, better not cook it long because I won't eat it. If it's mushy, it's not going in my mouth. Cauliflower, I like raw, don't like it cooked, can't stand it cooked. But if it's raw, it tastes good. I like it. And for some reason, I don't know what the reason is, I have an affection and a fondness for avocados. I can put avocados on anything. Burgers, eggs. If it's made by God somewhere, I can put an avocado on it and enjoy it. I love them suckers. And they're good for you too. So that always helps out. So I don't know where that came from. I didn't know it for many years of my life. I had no idea I liked avocados. I don't know when I finally came to realization, but I did. And I walk in the light of that realization every opportunity I get. I get. But you see, Twinkies and, and poison, this is, this is going to be bad for your body. I know not to put poison in, but I know Twinkies, I can have them every once in a while. But see, the enemy wants you to get you to to just eat Twinkies and forget the meat and the vegetables 
because he knows that over the long haul you will get weaker. So he's going to throw some distracting doctrines out to get you to focus on these things. They aren't going to help you. Uh, not speaking the truth or speaking the truth without love. We already talked about that. This is one of the things. If he can get you to do it, he's going to keep you weak. He's going to keep you from being spiritually developed. So he's going to give you all kinds of reasons. They're not going to hear that from you. There's no sense in you going over there and speaking that to them. Most of the times that we see something going on, if we saw it going on, you can step right in and deal with it right away. If you do, the Word of God says you've gained your brother. If we take it aside, now we've got to make it a big deal. Try and keep things easy. He's going to try and uh, keep you from speaking the truth or speaking the truth without love. He's going to keep us from being knit together. He's going to put divisions in between. He's going to get you to think poorly about someone else. Keep you from being knit together. He's going to cut us off from other parts of the body. Because he knows if he can distract you, if he can stop the way you're speaking the truth in love, if he can keep you from other parts of the body, being knit together, and if he can cut, it, cut you off so that you don't even want what the other ones have, you'd be hindered. See, if I let this one minister... And the way that he conducted his life, the way he talked to people, the way he treated people, if I let that get in my way, I would not have received the insight and some of the things that he, he was able to, to help me with. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Don't walk like the rest of the Gentiles. The rest of the Gentiles, they, they, they walk in such a way with, with gossip. They walk in such a way as to busy themselves in the other people's affairs. They walk in such a way as to hear something and just believe it. They don't test it out. They don't prove it. So don't walk the way that they walk. We think about this and we think about sexual morality. And that's all. certainly the Gentiles walk like that. Don't do it. Think about the mouths that they have, cussing and things that they, they do. Well, you know, don't do that either. It's going to hinder you. But don't walk like the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Having their understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the blindness of their heart. Now, if you had all those conditions going on, how many of y'all know you wouldn't grow spiritually? I can't grow spiritually if my understanding is darkened. If I am alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance in me and because of the blindness of my heart, I can't grow. Now he's going to go on here, verse 19. <clears throat> Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That you... Put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Put on the new man. Get rid of this other stuff. Put on the new man. Get rid of the old man. Don't walk like the Gentiles walk, but put on the new man. You've got to walk this new way. If you walk this new way, you will grow. 
Verse 20 again, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in, in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust and being renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now let's go back over here. I want to go back over here to verse um, 16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to to the effective working by which every part does its share causes what? Growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So if you are the enemy, if you want to keep the body of Christ from growing, because we know the, a growing body of Christ is not good for the enemy, then he's going to stir up all these things that you're not supposed to do and keep you from doing the things you are. Now that list we just look over, we just kind of ran through it. But you've got to do an inventory on your own life. How much of that list am I keeping going in my, in my own walk? How much of it am I doing myself? Because it says right there, if you do these things, you will grow. In fact, the whole body will grow. But you will grow if you do these things. So if you don't do them, what will happen? We're not going to grow. Many Christians have, are the same now as they were five years ago. They don't understand any more of the word. They're not able to pray any different. They're not able to get into the realm of the spirit any different. They're not able to change anything that goes on. Any more than they were five years ago, two years ago. You should be growing continually. Because the enemy's forces are going to be mounted up more and more against you. And you've got to grow. It's, an, it's imperative that we grow. We're going to face things and we should have been ready. But we aren't. Because we didn't grow. Get yourself ready. Get yourself growing. So we ought to have a prayer. When we pray, we ought to be praying to God. Father God, I thank you. That if I do the things that Paul exhorts me to do here in Ephesians. That I will grow. I thank you, Father. That I not only can speak the truth in love. But I can find out what the truth is. That you help me to find out what the truth is. That every time I find an opportunity... Every time I speak the truth and do it in love, I grow and they grow and the body grows. Every time I stop a wall from being put up between me and another person in the body of Christ, I can receive what that person has. Because to each one was given grace. To each one was given grace. The grace that was put on one person is different from the grace that is put on me. And so, if I want to get something that another grace provides, where do I got to go? I got to go to another person. Because they got the grace for it. And I let them go. That's why we have different people who do different things here in the church. Because there's a grace that's on them to do a particular thing. Operate in that grace. And receive what that grace gift supplies. And if the devil is able to put up a wall and keep you from receiving it then you will be hindered. So you pray according to that way. Father God, I thank you for all the grace gifts that are in the body of Christ. Instead, what we do a lot of times is, Father God, I just can't stand brother, sister, so-and-so. I just wish you would remove them from my life. Oh, I just can't. I don't understand. But see, that's a whole grace gift that you don't have, but you can receive from in those things. Now, you can make yourself such a, a stinker in the flesh 
that people don't want to get around you to get what that grace gift is. That's why he says, have a walk worthy. Have a walk worthy. Keep your attitude right. And everything about that is attitude. Keep your attitude right. I got something about that before we... I think I put an outline to make sure I wouldn't forget to give it to you. But you make that prayer. Father God, you promised that if I did these things, if I kept my attitude right, if I spoke the truth in love, if I received from the fivefold ministry, if I received from other gifts in the body of Christ, that I would grow and they would grow. So Father, I thank you that I'm doing these things. And if there is anything in this list that I'm not doing yet, I pray, Father, show it to me. Show me where I need to improve. Show me where I need to get better. Show me what attitude I need to change. Show me what truth I need to be speaking. Show me what it is that I need to do because I want to grow. And here's the promise from the word. If you do what Paul is outlining here in Ephesians chapter 4, you will grow. Now, I'm sure we're not the only grandparents that have ever said this. Uh, but we're always saying it to, to we're not saying it to the little boy yet because he can he, he's not understanding. But we say it to the little girl all the time, please stop growing. <laughs> say it to her all the time. Just stop growing. We want you to stay little. We want to pick you up and hold you. Just just stop growing. And she goes. She just smiles. She goes. I can't, pop up. And we'll come up and we'll see her. Have you been growing? Yes. <laughs> One time she came to me. She surprised me. She said, well, I, this, is what she, this is her words. Well, I asked God and he said that, um, no, he wouldn't stop me from growing. I said, well, you know, if you ask God, I mean, <laughs> what more can you do? <laughs> but, you know, but she, but she has it down. She, she goes, you know, I, I grow when I sleep. Because you've been told when you, when you go to sleep, your body grows. So she goes to sleep and she wakes up. She knows that she, she's grown. She knows that she eats her dinner. She grows. How many of your moms and dads told you that? You need to sleep at nighttime so you grow. You need to eat your dinner so you grow. You need to go out and play so you grow. We all know what's involved in growing. And all you have to do is do those things. As long as you eat your dinner, go to bed at night, go out and play, what happens to you? You grow. <laughs> and see, Paul is doing this here first in the realm of the Spirit. If you do these things, you will grow. If the enemy is able to stop you from doing some of these things, you will stop growing. It isn't quite like your physical body. You can stop your spirit from growing. Your spirit can go four, five, six years and never grow. But it can also grow. I'd rather have my spirit grow. How about you? So what must I do to receive? First off, many Christians elevate doctrines over people. I got this. Somebody somebody here in church was asking me a question after uh, two weeks ago, because this is actually the one I was going to go into last Sunday, but we had the kids here, so I wanted to do something when the, the kids were here. But somebody came up to me two weeks ago and they asked me a question. I love it when you all ask me questions. You see, when you ask me questions, you tap into a great gift that I have that God can he'll give me answers on. It. But if I don't know the question to ask, I don't get the answer. Don't think I know all the questions. I don't. Sometimes you all come up to me and you ask me questions. Oh, man, that's a good question. I didn't ask that one. But I'll ask God on it and I'll, I'll get the answer for it. And I'm grateful because I get to grow and you get to grow. It's a good thing all the way around. Never be afraid to ask questions. But they were asking me this question about it. And so this, this came to me. Then many Christians elevate doctrines over people in an effort to hold on to a type of purity instead of the promise of God. 
that many times people, we have let things that have gotten in the way between us and other believers for some doctrine, for some teaching, for some principle that we think is so drastically important that we have allowed a wall to separate us from another grace gift. And that grace gift that would begin to supply some things for us. Don't let that happen. There is no doctrine that is that critical. I'll give you a, a, a case in point on this. I've studied end times for a lot of years. I've corrected some mistakes that I've had. But if I go and I talk to somebody, then they're adamant that Jesus Christ is coming. Not for the rapture of the church, but only the second advent. No rapture of the church. I can still fellowship with that person. I said, well, that's fine. You know, you can believe that. And I may uh, inquire to see if we can have any conversation on it. If we can't see any conversation on it, I'll go on to another topic. Well, we'll just let that one go. Because it's not critical. You'll still go to heaven, even if you're wrong on end times. <laughs> you will. You'll still go to heaven. You'll still go to heaven if you don't get baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you think it's wrong. You'll still go to heaven. It won't be as good of a time down here on the earth, but you'll still get to heaven. So I just learned, you know, don't fuss over these things. Let's go into some other areas where we can, where we can uh, help each other out and we can, we can work on that. Because sometimes, folks, we've just elevated some doctrines for the idea that there's some kind of a purity, some kind of a purity that we need. And that's wrong. I put this in your outline for you. Receiving from other people. I was praying here this morning. Spending my time in prayer. This is the main thing that I, I got out of that time in prayer. Receiving from other people is more about my attitude toward them than the other way around. Receiving from other people is more about my attitude toward them than the other way around. If I stop receiving from somebody, it is because of my attitude more so than it is theirs. And if I'm not receiving, guess what? Receiving from other people is more about my attitude toward them than the other way around. That is how my, my growth is affected. Your growth will be affected by it. Your bad attitude, which is what he went over in the first part of chapter 4, your bad attitude is going to keep, is going to keep you more from growing than somebody else in your life who isn't quite operating the way they should. You gotta get rid of that bad attitude. I was gonna pull some pictures up when I was gonna illustrate this, but if you go into the grocery store and you open up an egg carton, why do you open up the egg carton when you go into the grocery store? You gotta see if they're cracked. And you go in there and look at it. My mom taught me the trick, you know, if, uh, if you go into the egg store, I've done it all the time since then. One of those, one of those things she taught me, many things she's taught me, it's stuck with me, but that's one of those things. Just there. You don't just look at them. You take your fingers and you pinch them. All the way on down. Because if they don't move, they're broken. Because part of it is leaked out and all that sort of stuff. So I just open them up, click, right on down, check them all out. As long as they all move, I walk out with it. I was over at the Wawa the other, other day. Don't buy eggs at Wawa. That is not a good place to buy eggs. But there was, whatever the reason, we were desperate and we needed some eggs. And so we were at the Wawa and I went on and they had four things of eggs left and all of them had broken ones i don't mean there was one broken one i mean there's four in this one six in this one there there's a lot of broken ones and uh some i went to another wawa i couldn't buy any of those so i went to another wawa and i was looking for for eggs and they had one out of six 
that did not have broken stuff. One. That's not a good ratio. I don't go to Wawa when I need eggs. Had to then. But if you open that up and you see a cracked egg, you could be looking at 11 perfect eggs and one cracked one. And what do you look at? What do you decide the entire package of eggs is? Bad. We look at a dozen eggs. We open it up and there is one that is cracked. And we write off all 11. Even though we could buy it. Now, if I was at the Wawa and they had a carton with 11 good eggs in it, I would have walked out with it. I would have left with it. I would have bought 12 eggs and to get 11 that were good. That's how desperate we were for eggs. For whatever reason, I don't even remember what it was. We were desperate for eggs. Grocery stores weren't, weren't open or something like that. I would have gladly walked out with 11 eggs because we were desperate. But generally, we look at 12 eggs, and if one is broken, we write the whole thing off. And here's the thing. That poor egg carton, those, those 11 eggs, are destined to be rejected because of one part that is bad. How many times do we do this with people? We see one aspect of their life that we don't like and we write off everything else about it. Unless we see 12 good eggs there, we're not receiving from you. We judge people like we do eggs. You know what? Get, you, get what you can out of, out of the 11 eggs. 10 eggs. Whatever they got. They got some spots in there that are broken that aren't quite working right. Don't write them off. Don't let your eyes be drawn to just what's wrong. Anybody can see what is wrong. How many of y'all can tell when a person has a bad haircut? If a person walks in and they have a bad haircut, everybody knows they have a bad haircut. But if a person walks in and they have a good haircut, we don't think of it. We don't make mention of it. I don't go up to Chris and say, boy, they really did a nice job on your hair this time. <laughs> she was, what do you mean this time? What happened? What time are you thinking about? <laughs> but we don't, we don't do that. We, we see good haircuts and we just, we just go on. Anybody, no matter how unspiritual or anybody can see the flaws, it takes a spiritual person to see the good. Just because you can see the flaws in people doesn't mean you're spiritual at all. But when you can see the good and draw off of that good, now you've got something. How many have a movie that you can think of where some teacher, some mentor, some person saw something good out of something that everybody else had written off and brought that good out? How many have a favorite movie that, that that's going on? Oh, yeah. We got some favorite movies where people did that. Because those are the special people who can see the 11 eggs and overlook the one and do something with the 11 eggs. That's what kind of people we need to be. So if you're the enemy and you wanted to keep people from growing spiritually, what would you do? This is not in your outline. There was no more room. First of all, keep them away from the fivefold ministry. How many of you know Christians I don't trust churches. 
I don't like ministers. All those ministers, they're all fake. All those people on TV, they're fake. All the ministers want is money. They make these general what has, what has the devil done? He has separated them from the fivefold ministry. So they are no longer able to be equipped. Secondly, keep them out of church. Keep them out of church. Because if they get in church, they'll get what every joint supplies. They'll get the grace from each person. They'll get what every joint supplies. Keep them out of church. You've got to get them out of church. And yet the Word of God says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But we've got to keep them out of church. So we do, we have problems that come up between people. And they say, you just, you just need to get away from those people. You just need to get out of there. Keep them out of church. Keep them away from the fivefold ministry. Keep them out of church. Got people out there, you know, they're getting all their, all their church on the TV. Can't do it. You need, what, you need that interaction that goes on. Here's the third one. Maintain wrong attitudes towards other believers. If you can get a person, Christian, to stay away from the fivefold ministry, stay out of church, and maintain wrong attitudes towards other believers, that Christian will never mature, will always stay immature, never develop their gift, never develop their calling, never have a walk worthy. And when they get to heaven, if they get to heaven, they will barely make it in. If you are the devil, that's all you need to do. We know there's other things he likes to try and do too. He likes to steal the word and corrupt the word and other things like that. But if he can do this, and if he can keep you out of church, and he can keep you from developing your grace gift, then he keeps that grace gift from being spread to other people, from helping other people. You can't have whatever joint supplies if every joint isn't there. Would you all stand up with me? God has given you a grace gift. God has poured grace down upon your life. God has done things. Don't sell God short to each one. The word of God said here in Ephesians chapter 4, to each one. Grace has been poured out to you. When you go to God in prayer, Father God, I thank you for the grace gift that is put upon me. I thank you that you are developing. As I grow, that grace, grace gift develops and becomes stronger. And more and more is made of it. I thank you, Father God, for that. I will not let the enemy come into my life and keep me from those that are equipped me. Keep me from whatever joint supplies. Or, get, or maintain a bad attitude in me towards other people. It is up to me to overcome bad attitudes. It is not up to someone else to act right. It is up to me to overcome the bad attitudes. And if we do that, folks, we are on our way to grow and develop. The promise from the Word of God is that you would grow. That you would grow. This morning is our communion Sunday. As the rushers come forward, as they pass the elements around. The Word of God says that during this time when we come together and we remember what Jesus did, we're going to have a time of reflection. He says, if you got something against someone else, go to them, straighten it out, release it in yourself, do something. But if you've got something against other people, it's up to you to release it. Don't hang on to it. It's going to hinder you 
It's going to slow you down. It's going to keep you from growing. It's not hurting them, but it is hurting you. Don't have those attitudes. God has put something in motion that is a sure fire that you will grow as when you were little and you're growing up. We know that when they're little, they're not going to stay little. They're going to grow and they're going to get big. And as much as we enjoy the times when they're little, as they get older, we enjoy them then too. When our kids were little, we enjoyed the things that they did when they were little. So listen, Christian grew up. We enjoy watching the things that they do as mature adults. The things that they're passing on to other people. Responsibilities and duties that they have. Those are good things too. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he came into the upper room and he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this represents my body which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. That we are to remember that the body of Jesus Christ was beaten. It was bruised for our sicknesses, for our diseases, to redeem us from the curse of the law. He took that curse upon his body. Looks like everyone has been served. Let's eat together and remember what Jesus did in his body. After supper, he took the cup. He said, this represents the blood of the new covenant. Old covenant was poured out each time to cover up the sin. But his was poured out once and for all. And it cleansed us. And we wear his righteousness, not our own. As we drink together, let's remember, we are the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Let's drink Glory to God. Father God, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. Sending us your son to die on the cross for our sin. To shed his blood so that in his death we would have life. We thank you for it. We thank you for the things in your word that promise us growth. That show us the way of growth. Father, I thank you that we are growing. Give you the glory and the praise for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Do we have any more praise reports? Prayer requests? Oh, how neat was that? I will need my glasses for this one. Thank you, sir. Is that the same one? I got it right here. All right. I like getting things twice instead of <laughs> not having it. That's uh, that's phenomenal. There we go. All right. Lamar has a praise report he put up on Facebook. Um, hard to condense this, but we'll do my best. I was taking a four-hour mission evaluation test hacking into Linux and Windows computer systems. I knew I could not miss one thing through the first two sets of systems to get to the third level of difficulty and pass without having to go too deep into the systems where I did not know as much. 
I missed one question on level one. Fear and stress started to creep in. And another on two. More stress. Then I had difficulty getting to level three systems. Full out panic began. There is no other way of saying saying it. I was starting to freak out. <laughs> it was three hours and 15 minutes in and thinking, if I fail this, they might as well send me home. I don't want to go through this again. I worked to calm myself down as every muscle in my body was taunt. Keep in mind, I am not lifting anything. I am just in front of a keyboard. But I was so tense, I could hardly turn my neck and my heart was racing. I said, God, I need help. I said to myself, well, keep going and do what you can. In short, with 15 minutes left, I cracked three boxes and got the information I needed to pass by a point. I was and am so thankful to God for bringing me through that as on my own, it is not possible. But I also realized I should not get to that point. (laughs) Casting my care on him at the first question could have enabled me to do even better on that exam and not be down to the last few minutes. But I decided to allow myself to get tense, to freak out. So I thank him for coming through, and I learned I need to step up my obedience level. Uh, that is a good testimony right there. Appreciate him sharing that with us. A couple other praise reports. And Toe said, uh, thank God for a wonderful birthday weekend in San Diego, California. It's not a bad place to go for a birthday weekend in the wintertime. Furthermore, I thank God for giving me the opportunity to speak at a professional conference while there and the grace he gave me to present well and in a simple manner showing wisdom and knowledge in the topic I was presenting. In addition, all those who participated in the conference were entered into a bingo drawing. I prayed to the Lord to win one of the prizes and the Lord is faithful. I am I won the top prize an Apple Watch. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you for all your prayers while I was away. You need any instruction on that? Keith will probably help you out with with some of that. He's he's always telling about what his Apple Watch does. Uh, Ethel, because of the teaching Pastor did on praying more effectively, I knew who had the favor in my recent red light traffic issue and asked for that favor and the Holy Spirit to guide me in terms of what to say. I also prayed about. Um, I also prayed about. I think it says love. I would love for the person in the hearing room and for me to behave properly. I think that's what it, what it is. The red light ticket was dismissed. Now, apparently, according to Brother Keith, the red light court system is 100% guilty. So apparently, 99.5% or whatever it is, because uh, he was he was done. It says no one really gets through that without that sounds not, That's pretty good. She got. She went, if you didn't see that, she was talking to us on Wednesday night about it, and she got this uh, picture, and she said the picture didn't tell her what she did wrong. It didn't show that she did anything wrong, and so she took it to them, and apparently they agreed that she didn't do anything wrong, and they, they released that. Uh, another one from Ethel, I am grateful, thankful for the raises, plural, that I have received, which allows me to give more. <laughs> well, glory to God for that. Brother Jim is not with us today. He was going to be. Uh, prayer for relief from chronic pain throughout his body. And strength in his spirit to continue on. So continue to pray for him there. He did uh, did have pneumonia. It settled back down to a bronchitis. And then uh, was all gone. Uh, completely he thought he was going to be back here this week. But apparently some other pain had kicked in. And he sent me a little note on that as well. So uh, continue to lift up him in prayer. If um, I I had not heard, I keep calling him. and hadn't heard back from him. And, and finally I got a message from him. said he lost his phone and all his contacts. So he wasn't able to... Uh, if you've normally gotten information from him and haven't recently or haven't heard anything back, even if you called and left a message, apparently it wasn't enough to get 
a call back to, on his phone to get the contact info. But uh, keep at it. Send him a text. Say, here I am. This is me. This is my number. And you should be able to get a contact back on that. So any of you can help out Brother Jim on, on that. That's what's going on there. All right, stand up. Wednesday night, we're going to be on chapter 8 in the book of Hebrews. And then, um, of course, next Sunday, we'll be picking up some more things in, in this area. Oh, yes, I, I was going to put this in the bulletin. I was waiting for a teacher to come on in. I sent a note around to, I think, just about everybody here. Did anybody not get our text about uh, Sarah, Miss Dietrich's mother? I think I got that out to, to just better everybody on, on that one. But uh, she did pass away on Friday morning. And um, was it Friday morning? Saturday morning? Saturday, Saturday morning. Saturday. Some of those days were just running. Yeah, Friday morning we are dealing with the freak storm. <laughs> Saturday is uh, what's going on. She was at the hospital pretty much the whole night and into the next day. And um, uh, so we'll be planning the funeral here. I'm not sure what day that will be. I'll text it out to everybody what's what's going on with that. But she went on to be with Jesus. And so that's a good place to be. And certainly, as uh, I know, anybody who's gone up there doesn't want to come back. We were trying to figure out how old Miss Sarah was. I think she was in her 80s. Anybody in her, in her age years? Yeah, I don't know exactly what that was. And I was kind of hoping the teacher would be um, out here today that we might see her give her a little break from all the things she was doing with that, but um, we didn't get that to see what's going on there. So, All right, bless some people before you go out. Yeah, come on.